welcome to Westchester Words, Education, EdTech, and Publishing. I'm Nicole Tomasi, and today I'll be speaking with Kev Breyerman, CEO and publisher of Publishers Weekly. Kev's been on the podcast several times before to talk about a number of things that are taking place within the publishing industry. Welcome back, Kev. Well, glad to be back here, Nicole. Always enjoyed our conversations, so I'm looking forward to uh, answering some more questions. Well, thank you for coming in for another grilling. I'll try to go easy on you. Okay. <laughs> so to dive in, we're recording this at the beginning of May, and later this month, uh, you guys are going to be putting on the second annual U.S. Book Show. Do you want to talk a little bit about it as far as keynotes and how the event's going to unfold? Sure. Um, this is our second year doing it. Uh, last year was highly successful with over 3,500 people coming to the event, from librarians to booksellers to media to industry people. We had great speakers last year, including Oprah Winfrey. This year, back by some comments we've heard from um, our research, we extended a half a day for people to spend more time at the booths, uh, the virtual booths. It is a virtual show. Uh, we have some new guests this year. We have uh, Mo Williams. We have John Grisham. We have Celeste Neg. So a whole new lineup. And we continue to do buzz panels. We continue to do industry events, industry sessions. Um, we've added some sponsored content. This year, also, we made it free to every bookseller and librarian in, in North America. Attendance is way up. And during the U.S. Book Show, um, we'll have our first live celebration for our 150th anniversary. So um, looking forward to the U.S. Book Show and great speakers and great content. So hopefully everybody can join in, go to the U.S. Book Show and um, sign up and register for the event. We'll make sure to include a link to that um, on our website when we do post this episode. Is it usbookshow.com? usbookshow.com. Uh, get in there and sign up. Now, remind me, what are the dates again? It's May 23rd to the 26th. It opens up at uh, Monday afternoon and then full days on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursday. There'll be children's panels. There'll be industry panels again. There'll be graphic novels panels across all sections of publishing. There'll be panels for everybody to enjoy. It's on demand. So if you can't attend that particular hour that session's going, you can go back with your registration ticket and um, do it in, at 11 o'clock at night or two months after. It's on demand. Most of it's pre-recorded, a lot of live Q&As. It's, it's an opportunity to be with the industry in a virtual event. Next year, we'll do roughly the same time frame in terms of May and have some type of hybrid event for the U.S. Book Show. You said that there's going to be a half day that's specifically for the virtual booth so that people can go in and focus more on that. So that's going to be completely separate from the panels. The booths are open all throughout the show, but Monday afternoon from 11 o'clock, they open up. So there's more interaction with the sponsors at the booths and the people with, who want to attend and see what people are doing. Nice. I think the sponsors will probably really appreciate that. You know, virtual conferences are, are tough for engagement. And we felt uh, with the feedback that we got from the industry, um, sponsors wanted more time with people to come in and chat with them or show what kind of books they're doing or whatever branding opportunity they want to do. So it gave the librarians and booksellers and medium uh, more time with with the booths because during the two other days is packed full of um, conferences, libraries, information, and so on. So much content in so little time, but it's good that you're also making it available for a long time afterwards. I seem to recall last year, you guys kept it up for about two or three months post-event. We're aware of people who have jobs during the day or booksellers or librarians who are manning the stores or the libraries, and they want to 
go to some particular sessions. So it's it's they can go back a week later, two weeks after the show closes a month. Or if you miss something that you want to revisit and see again, all the recordings are pre-recorded in advance. Excellent. So one of the keynotes is going to be Jamie Raskin. That is correct. Because uh, one of the big topics that we're having is about ban on books. And Jamie Raskin has been a big proponent of not having ban on books for, for schools and libraries. So yes, Jamie Raskin is, I think he's the closing speaker of the show. I'm sure the librarians and the bookstores will definitely want to be tuning in to hear what he's got to say on this. A couple of minutes ago, you mentioned the fact that you're going to be looking at a hybrid event next year. And, you know, hybrid certainly seems to be the word of 2022. And something we talked about a little bit during the webinar that was co-hosted with Publishers Weekly back in March about the return to office and um, coming in a couple of days a week and working remote the rest of the time, that sort of thing. Is that what you're hearing from most of the industry, that they're looking at doing more of a hybrid model as we edge forward? Yeah, I think people are um, filling it out. You know, a lot of publishing houses want people to start coming back, maybe not full time. I know it publishes weekly. Our office is open, you know, every day of the week, but it's up to the department manager and yourself. People are starting to return in whatever direction each company wants the employees to come back in. But uh, we were talking before we got onto this thing as I was watching CNBC this morning, and it seems like, you know, real estate office space is starting to perk up again. People are starting to come back to the office. So I think it depends on publishing house and what their, their plans are. But I know people are looking forward to having people come back to the office. I think you lose a lot of creativity and colleagues being together and brainstorming. And I think that came up in our webcast that we did a couple of months ago with you know, people want to come back in and we need to get back to some normalcy. And maybe it's not five days a week, but maybe it's two days a week, three days a week. But again, it depends upon the publishing house and what they're doing. There's something to be said for both. I mean, you know, there's the remote aspect can be good in certain ways because it gives you a little more time to focus on certain things. But there's also something to be said for the spontaneity that can only happen when a group of people are in in the same setting and not in a screen. Yeah, I tell you, and there's a lot of people that are relocated to different states now that uh, they wanted, you know, some people who lived in New York didn't want to be in, in New York because of the living situation. And, and you know, New York was a hot center for COVID. So it's it's really come down to people's comfort level. We try to make our offices very safe. We downsized our office space, but we gave enough space for people not on top of each other. So it all depends, as you said, people's comfort level. You know, we're really requesting at least two times a week that you come in on certain days, we have allocated office desk space for people. It's almost like a, a WeWork situation where it's open and you can just plug in when you come to the office, you can reserve conference rooms. So we, we try to make it conducive where we're not on top of each other because we have 44 employees and our employees commute on subways along our railroad. And it's just a matter of comfort level. You know, we're excited right. to have people back. I go into the office at least once or twice a week for meetings or lunches, or just pick up my mail or talk to, you know, talk to people. I think that's what people miss is talking to each other. Yeah, I think you're right about that. There's only so much screen time you can do. Uh, We actually had an event last week where several of the employees got together and it was the first time a lot of us were seeing each other in two years. It was nice to be face to face and, you know, 
talk over dinner. We have once a week, we have uh, once every couple of weeks, happy hour week where people can come in. It's around a theme like next week is open enrollment for benefits. So, you know, we invited people in to come to learn about the benefits. And then after that, there's a little small happy hour where people can socialize and have a drink together or just, you know, say hello to each other. So we're trying to make it more of an environment where people come in and learn new things or just have a nap see each other because we don't see each other. It's only on Zoom. And speaking of seeing each other, people are starting to go back out as their comfort level increases to things like trade shows. I mean, London Book Fair was probably the testing ground this year so far. What are your thoughts going forward into you know the summer and fall in terms of trade shows? Well, I'm excited to go back to the trade shows because I miss the networking. I was at PLA this year in Portland, Oregon. It was safe. It was great to see four or 5,000 librarians. They, they want to talk to each other. They want to pick up collateral. People had to have vaccination cards approved before. They had to have wearing masks. The same thing with uh, TLA. Um, people were excited to get back together again. I did not go to international shows this year. I did not go to London. I did not go to Bologna. But um, I we starting up going internationally for Frankfurt Book Fair and the Sharjah Book Fair, which is later in the year. As you said, it's how comfortable you are going to trade shows, being around 20, 30,000 people. You just have to be smart. But I think it's time, for, at least for me and for some team members, to be back in front of people. There's nothing about you know walking down an aisle and having a casual conversation and ideas perk up. It's very, very difficult um, doing it virtually or on Zoom events. I think people are tired of Zoom. So I think trade shows will start coming back. I think you know, with the vaccination and the booster shots and you know people have to be aware of their own situation. But um, I think it's time to come back. Will they come back the same level of attendance? I'm not sure because I know the attendance for London and, and TLA and PLA were down. People are testing the waters. And I think people really want to get back to going to trade shows more for the networking and creating deals. I mean, I've created a couple of deals, you know, being in, in, in London and Sharjah. You know, we do PW in Spanish now that's Seville that came through a, a trade show conversation. We do PW in Arabic, uh, which came also through conversations at their trade show. So it's more about doing business together. And we're in a business that are people to people. Do you think even though the attendance may be lower, it's probably people who are really wanting to be there. So it might actually be better with it being a little bit smaller. What do you think? Yeah, I I think um, people who realize that they have to do business at the shows, they're going to go to the shows and maybe it's more, you know, directed where they get their meetings to come in and do this. I know there are less parties and events after the trade show because a lot of people want to trade shows. Uh, for the business purpose, but then there's always celebrations at night and people doing parties. Mm. I think that's been scaled back a little bit, but I, I think people just want to get back and do business. And again, I think trade shows is a perfect place. And I, you know, I go to overseas a lot and I haven't seen my overseas colleagues and, and you lose that communication. You know, we try hard with Zoom events and corresponding. It's not the same. So People who are serious about business and get their business done and spend their time. But I, I think people are also looking at the expenses. They realize that spending a lot of money, is it? do you really need to be at that show or not at that show? Right. And, you know, do you need to send as many people as you had in right. the past? So those are the right. decisions I think every company is going to have to look at a little more carefully. You were saying a minute ago that PW now publishes in Arabic. When did that happen? It actually happened two years ago. Ahmed, who's the chairman of Charger Book Fair, 
He realizes the, the, the value of PW's brand and sending a message about Arabic and translation. And, you know, from there, they built the Children's Festival. So I believe he's one of the largest books fair and probably in the world. It's two weeks and there's over a million people coming, buying and selling books. There's a professional program. He's done a really phenomenal job uh, at the book fair. And I have to commend him. You know, when he started this six, seven years ago and now he has a library part of the of the show. Um, you know, it has a professional show. It's a consumer show. So he's done a phenomenal job in, in building a, a nice book fair, just like, you know, Bologna has a phenomenal book fair and and Frankfurt has a good book fair. U.S. Book Show is a good book fair. So we learned from there. And then from being in the Sharjah, I met Enrique from Latina, and he's always dreamed of having a Publishers Weekly in Spanish, and we started that about a year ago, and it's doing very, very well, and it's growing for Latin America and Mexico. So PW is in Spanish, and PW is in Arabic, and we're looking at other countries to do a, a PW editions in different languages. You, you kind of stole the next question out of my head there. I was wondering if you were looking at other regions. I think PW is a conduit for, for the world, so if I can find another country to work with... Um, we're happy to open it up. That sounds really exciting. Um, do you notice any differences in terms of, you know, just the level of interest or the engagement with reading? Or is it pretty much the same everywhere? People just want interesting content to read. I, I think everybody wants interesting content to read. I think they want diversity in, in, in content. Uh, I just think there's people who enjoy reading and and. Is the the famous words, the written word of the Sharjah Book Fair. So it, it's translation, it's rights, it's just the whole ecosystem. I think there's a high level of interest. That's awesome. Anything else you want to share before? Sure. You're I just you know this is as I said before we were talking. Um, Publishers Weekly is celebrating its 150th anniversary. We had a special edition of 276 pages. We went back into the archives of the company and we did the last 25 years of the history of publishing and how the industry has changed over time from CDs to eBooks to printed to audiobooks. And so it's it's great to go back in the history. And I got to compliment the staff. Over the years, you know, we've been around, again, 150 years. We've never missed a single issue since we published. And we've gone through wars. We've gone through super sandy storms. So it was the dedication of everybody at the company to continue that. Even when we were sold 11 years ago, we had to be out of our office and publish the magazine within 30 days and assemble a whole staff and team. So a lot of, a lot of great people throughout the years have contributed to the success of Publishers Weekly. And we continue to maintain that that history. And I encourage people to go and pick up an issue of Publishers Weekly to read or go back to the anniversary. We've pulled out a lot of content from our archives about the history of publishing in the last 25 years. A lot of great names are there to read about their careers and the history of Publishers Weekly. We are the history of publishing and people who want to know more about publishing should pick up at least that issue or pick up a subscription to the magazine and, and learn about what's going on. It's It's been a great milestone. I've been with the company 30 years in different capacities to see it transition from all different levels. It's, it's exciting and, and it's exciting is to continue on that tradition of, of 150 years of publishing. It's the history yeah. of publishing is there. 
It is. And I actually did go into the office for the first time in a couple of years and it was there waiting for me and I did thumb through it. And it's just, like you said, it's it's a walk through history really and the publishing history. And some of the names from the last 25, even 50 years, they're still a force in publishing today, a lot of them. And hats off to, to the entire staff at Publishers Weekly. It was a really great issue. So if you can't get your hands on the print one, definitely look it up um, on the website. There's just so much great stuff to read in there. Well, it's also, you know, it's not only just our 150. There's a lot of other publishing houses that have celebrated their own milestones. And it's, it's also good to see things that are going on from the consolidations of publishing houses, the, the growth of independent publishing, the growth of self-publishing. And you know, PW is there, is, it's been recording the history of it. So if you ever want to get into in your history bluff about publishing, want to learn more about it, it's, it's a great reference tool. I agree. And and here's to the next 150 years, wherever it might take us. <laughs> that is correct. Well, thank yeah. you for being a steward of it for, you know, for the past 30 years and, and hopefully for quite a while to come. And we'll definitely check out the U.S. Book Show in a few weeks. And we'll see what else is in the offing for Publishers Weekly. So I want to oh. thank you again, Kev, for coming on and sharing. Well, thank you. And also, you know, PW has a great relationship with Westchester Publishing Services. We've done a lot of good events together. And I wish that you guys celebrate your 150th one day. I hope we will do that, too. I probably won't be here for it because I'm just a little. Maybe Tyler. Maybe Tyler will be. Maybe. You never know. I mean, maybe they'll come out with some really cool gene therapy thing and I'll be here to rattle some cages. Time will tell. (laughs) I appreciate your time. And uh, again, um, thank you for this conversation about PWs and its history and its 150th birthday. Congratulations and many more years of success ahead, Kev. Thank you for listening to this episode of Westchester Words. If you're looking for previous episodes or want to read additional content that has been shared by some of our guests, please visit our websites, westchesterpublishingservices.com and westchestereducationservices.com. For an international perspective, check out our sister podcast, Westchester Words UK and International, available on the Westchester Education UK website, westchestereducation.co.uk, or wherever you stream podcasts. We love hearing from our listeners and welcome your emails at westchesterwords at westchesteredsvcs.com. Tell us what you enjoy hearing on our podcast or suggest topics that we can cover in future episodes. Speaking of future episodes, I look forward to having you join us for the next episode of Westchester Words when we'll be having another engaging conversation about a topic of interest to the education, edtech, and publishing communities. Until then, stay safe, be well, and stay tuned.